You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I wanna invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hey everyone, it's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. And today we are talking about gay couples. We are talking about couples that bring children into their family and create beautiful families through adoption or surrogacy or all the different ways. And I have a really special guest here to talk about this. Uh, I have Steve Disseldhorst here, and he specializes in in personal and professional leadership development and consulting for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, and is the author of the memoir, Determined to be a Dad, A Journey of Faith, Resilience, and Love. And before founding his firm, Steve worked for Genetech, a biotech company, and is a veteran healthcare workers. So you've got had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. And currently you serve on the San Mateo County LGBTQ Commission and is a speaker for the San Francisco LGBTQ Speakers Bureau. And most importantly, Steve is a father to two wonderful children who are the center of his world. Welcome, Steve. I'm so happy to talk to you and to talk about this book that you've written. I love everything that you're doing. It's so great. So important. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I love um, the work that you're doing. Um, always working on being a better parent and, yeah. <laughs> and overcoming the shame and punishment models of our um, of our mm-hmm. learned uh, learned childhoods and and really trying to be a better dad every day. Um, so I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And I love that. I love that you said that because it doesn't matter how your family came together. I am pro-family, no matter how you come together, right? And what I know is that when you have a family and you bring all these different personalities together, we bring our past as parents, we bring our past childhood into the mix, there's a lot going on and we can have conflict and frustration and it's hard enough to raise a typical kid, never mind a child with some extra needs or different things like that. And so, um, you know, definitely, you know, no matter how you come together, I can help your family, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We want to talk about you and your story. And so tell me why you wrote this book, Determined to be Dad. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, writing this book, it's a memoir, but it's really a book about hope. Right. And so, um, I wrote determined to be dad, um, for the many, many LGBTQ people, millennials, uh, parents of LGBTQ people, and, um, also for, uh, straight folks that are having fertility challenges and facing some obstacles, creating their family and really wrote this to help people have hope and also to share with them um, some of the process of creating a family through adoption, but really also sharing the emotional highs and lows Mm. of that journey. Um, Because there is tons of literature about how to make a family uh, through Mm. sort of alternative means. 
but we hear less about um, the 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 emotional journey of that, and really the the, the mm -hmm. triumphs and the struggles along the way. And so I wrote this to to help folks with those, and really to give folks hope. Mm, that's really great. And so you say there's highs and lows. So enlighten us. What would those be? What do those look like? Oh boy! Um, wow. Well, there. Um, you know, I'll start with the, our, our, our daughter's adoption. Um, we, uh, we in 2010, um, uh, embarked on the journey to be, to be parents through adoption. We went live with an adoption agency, um, in March, basically March of 2010. And it was two full years, um, before our daughter came into our lives and we had been in contact with 14 different women over those two years. So about oh. um, one different woman every two months um, and uh, a vast array of um, women. Uh, we had one woman that was a 49-year-old grandmother who was pregnant with uh, her sixth child and down to uh, you know a 17-year-old um, high school student who was Mormon and uh, was um, having a relationship with a, a, um, a young man and was faced with this um, decision around how she was going to take care of that child. And so with that 14 uh, encounters with these incredible, um, really courageous women, you know, we got our hopes up on multiple occasions that one of those one of those children would be um, uh, come into our lives and into our home and, and that fell apart um, uh, mm -hmm. over and over. And so uh, there was, uh, you know, that excitement, um, hope, nervousness, tension, you know, really trying to, you know, put on the best face, trying to, you know, in some ways sell yourself to, to a, yeah. a, a person that's making the most difficult decision of their entire life. And, um, and then to have the letdown afterwards. Um, and in one case, we had a, um, a woman that was um, that scammed us. So they, it's a, basically what they call a psychological scam where oh. she wasn't pregnant, but she reached out and told us she was um, with child. And um, she did it very, um, she was very careful how she did it. And she knew her time and she contacted us late on a Friday night when our adoption agency was, you know, off for the weekend and we had this really 20, uh, 48 hours, really intense conversation with her. And then finally found out on Monday morning, she texts us with like all of this, you know, religious damnation and, um, Oh my know. goodness. Oh yeah. So she yeah. set you up only to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And what was fascinating about it is that we, you know, we obviously, we had her phone number, because we ended up texting her and it was like, she sent us pictures of ultrasounds. I mean, it was really, really intense. It was basically like, we, you know, this child is yours if you want it. And then, um, you know, Monday rolls around and we, we talked to our, 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 um, our social worker is basically, where's the, what's the phone number? And I like give her the phone number and they're like, oh yeah, that, that person is, no, that person is a, scam, is a known scam. And unless they ask you for money, there's nothing illegal. So unless they ask you to like, 
you know, send me money for, you know, I, I need money for food to take care of the child, you know, myself or the yeah. child or whatever there, since there's nothing, there's nothing that can be done. So it's pretty, it's pretty, it was really like, that was really intense. Um, so you got your heart just, broken like 13 uh, times. Yeah. Cause there's one time that you didn't and you did. Yes. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you have the best smile on your face. Everybody who's listening, it's adorable. <laughs> you can tell yes. you love your daughter. It's so great. Yes. And she's nine. So she's creeping into those getting ready for tween and teen years. So <laughs> that will change things a little bit, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. And I love, um, I love the love and dedication that it takes to go through this like you really really want that child right yes, yes, you really yes. really do yeah and and I'll be honest I have uh, and I'm not saying this is you by any stretch of the imagination but I I have worked with parents before that have gone through this and they have a child who's very difficult and so there is this this underlying guilt that you know we work so hard to get this child and oh my gosh I don't know that I'm cut out to be the parent yeah. right and uh and so that's a really real situation and I think there's a lot of shame around that too right a lot of shame a lot of guilt and um and if anybody's listening that has has gone through that and feels that I totally get that. I really do. And I have helped so many parents through that. So just want you to know that if you have adopted children or you've, you know, had a surrogate and you're struggling, or if you're a regular parent, you know, this is, this is the work that I do to help you through that. Um, so here's the thing you've gone through all of this and you had some personal stuff going on too, right? Like you, you struggled between uh, you had your daughter, you adopted your daughter, then you adopted your son. Right. And then you struggled with an illness as well. Right. And so that has got to really just, I mean, this is your memoir. Right. And so this is also part of the, that actually life happens too. This doesn't all happen in a vacuum. Right. It wasn't just the adoption. Then it was having your family and then being really sick too. Yeah. I mean, the thing with uh, our daughter's adoption and it like sort of, it was really difficult with the, you know, 14 contacts. And then once, once we got her, her adoption, like it, the, the family that um, placed her with us, you know, they're amazing. Like we had this amazing, incredible connection. We were there, you know, in the hospital with them when she was born, we've since we have, you know, had this nine-year relationship. It's been really beautiful. And then when, we decided to go a little bit of a different route. So our daughter was a private adoption. Um, and so for our son, you know, we decided to go through the foster program and his adoption okay. actually turned out to be much more difficult than hers. Okay. And um, Okay. We, wait. So yeah. you went through 14 possible surrogates. Is that right? Or possible mothers right yes. with for your daughter yeah and your son through the foster system was harder oh yes. steve you <laughs> oh my god wait and your book is about faith resilience and love yeah resilience uh underlying yeah. resilience holy cow yeah how did you get through that 
Well, and tell between, me about it too. Sorry, I'm just I'm jumping all over the place. Yeah, right? be, between in our son and our daughter, it was uh, it was a, they're three three and a half years apart. So we actually, after our daughters, we sort of took you know the first year as a new parent is so hard. Yeah. Um, for for two men having a child, we actually put a lot of pressure on ourselves. There's a lot of cultural messages that say that women are the primary caretakers, and so we also were just like really trying to prove who we were as parents. that first year was pretty hard and then life started to sort of normalize right like you know we had you know good caretakers and helpers who were both working full-time jobs and um but you know our family didn't feel like it was quite you know complete and we we started to think about the second child and um decided that we wanted to go a route that um you know really help a child that was really in need and then we decided you know, the foster system. And, and what happened there, which was really interesting is that we got a call um, about our son and they said, you know, birth parents have not been in the picture. Well, they're, you know, the formal paperwork um, of um, their parental rights being relinquished has not been completed. They are not around. So this is going to be really easy. It's going to be straightforward. Um, and, you know, based on sort of how he came into the system, this is going to be, you know, a pretty straightforward thing. And so we were like, okay, so we made the decision. He had some medical stuff going on that I write about in the book. He had sort of been in, he had been in with another foster family and then there was an accident. And so he was removed from that family. And so we, we didn't have all the information, but we, once we made the decision to like do it we were like we were all in and then literally we got him and two days later we got a phone call and said oh birth mom is back in the picture and is clean and sober and now wants to re-engage and so the next year and a half was very very challenging and we ended up having to um she got into a rehabilitation program and we ended up having to do twice weekly visits with her where we would drop him off. So she was, you know, working on her parenting skills mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she, she had had a supervisor there, but we were like bringing him to this lo- location, dropping him off twice a week. And that went on for six months. And then she continued to progress in her, her rehabilitation, which was all great news, like good for her. We're glad like she's getting healthy, but is that the, the time went on, then there was discussions around like, do we start to do overnights with her? And, you know, all the signs were sort of going, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Are they going to, you know, reunite her with him? And we were, you know, we were just, you know, terrified. It was just terrifying. Um, so I'm sure part of you is, so you, you got, you had, you got him thinking yeah. he would be yours yes. and now you're in a custody situation with her. And I'm sure ha- part of you is like, well, you know, it would be great for him to have his mom, but then we've put our heart in here. Yeah. So, so how does that, how did that make you feel? You must've been in limbo. You must've been like torn apart by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was uh, incredibly hard. Like, the, you know how we know things in our head? Like 
we knew going into it, it was a possibility, right? but we didn't know what it would feel like. Like, mm. you know, like when your child is, your child was born, right? Like, yeah. like you're holding them and caring for them every second of their lives. Right. Until you go back to work and someone else, I mean, they become you and right. Like, and so all of a sudden we were like, oh, we knew this was a possibility, but yet we didn't really believe that it could happen. So it was, it was, um, I remember, and I write about this in the book is mm -hmm. like, I would drop him off. I would be, you know, smiley, happy, bring, mm -hmm. you know, bring him to her. And I would get in the car and I'd go around the corner and park and just break down and Aww. just, you know, just be like, oh my God, it's just like, if he leaves our lives, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just going to be beside myself. Aww. Um, and so it was, it was, it was a lot. Um, what ended up happening was we, um, we planned sort of a family trip to go visit my family in the Midwest. Um, and it was really, they hadn't met him yet. It was really to bring him to meet him and his mom, his birth mother had been doing really well. And I think that that we took a week off and we took him there. And I think that that week that she didn't get to see him really was really hard on her. And she ended up like falling out of her program. No. Um, no. And so that was really sad. So we came back and then she had like sort of disappeared again. And, and oh. so, but then we had sort of the whole legal like thing to go yeah. through. And so um, it was another it was another full year that we had to deal with all of that. Oh um, my gosh. And so her yeah. back and forth. And, and so do you have a relationship with her now? Because he's your son now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, what's interesting is we, we don't directly um, mm -hmm. like uh, we, uh, I have an email for her and I email her and we've sent her things, but she's mm -hmm. never really responded Oh. But she, he has many siblings and oh. one of his siblings was adopted by a family that's about five miles from us. And so oh. that family, um, and that was a voluntary adoption for her and that family, mm. the mom is in touch with her. Okay. And so we kind of, and so my son and his half brother, we spend a fair amount of time with them. And so that mom is in contact. So I kind of indirectly like, you know, mm. like she talks to her and so then she can give updates on our son. And we, mm. so it's kind of like, we kind of have some connection yeah. with her. Um, right. Not a lot, but um, yeah. Oh man, that is, that's tough. Can I ask, was that hard on your relationship going through all of this? The, the first, the first adoption, then this, then you getting sick which do you attribute getting sick to this whole stress, stressful situation? Uh, you know, I, I think there's something there, you know, I don't know that I can ever prove it, but you know, no. I was di diagnosed with cancer six months almost uh, after mm. my son's adoption was finalized. Um, and I do think that um, the, the uh, I think that the, it, it took a toll on our relationship in all honesty. I think that the, um, the fact is that we had to spend so much time and energy on sort of the, 
you know, adoption part of it and mm. all. And then once, like with our son, once he came into our home, like we still had all of this ongoing adoption stuff going on for a year and a half. So, you know, like, and then you have a child, like an, you know, like an infant, right? Like you're dealing with all that, you know, as you know, any parent with a newborn, you know, infant, right? Like there's, you have very little time for each other to begin with. And then on top of that, we had all of this adoption stuff. So oh, man, that sounds so hard. Yeah. Really, really hard. Um, I can, I can only imagine that that must've been really, really tough. Um, so I want to change gears just a little bit. And I want to talk about um, really one of the reasons why you wrote this book too, is that we're looking at the future of families and we're looking at statistics with millennials, right? And we've got 3.8 million millennials that are considering expanding their families, meaning adoption or surrogacy or adding, ch adding children to their family. And we have 2.9 million who are actively looking to adopt uh, or surrogacy or whatever, right? Expanding yep. your family is the right way to say it. So, so I want to say a couple things about that. So, so first and foremost, it is going to be a little bit more um, mainstream and, um, and, and you are in the United States, I'm in Canada. So there's differences in both of our, yep. uh, in both of our countries, but not only that in the United States, you've got differences per state and then um even is it state is it just state by state it's different yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah yeah so um so one of the things that you really want to to share is that there's hope right there's yep. hope for these families but also if you are parents and you are um you are a family that is a you know with with straight parents and you have kids and you have a child who is LGBTQ, right? Um, you may, and your child has come out to you, you may feel a real sense of loss as a parent Yes, because you think, oh, there goes my chances of being a grandparent. You know, I hear how great it's going to be when I can send the kids home with their parents and just spoil them and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I think that there's, you know, we live in a header in the U.S. and I think Canada is similar, but we live in a, a heterosexual, a heterosexual culture, right? And so, yeah, right, you know, our culture is very much uh, man and woman, um, and it's, um, I think, really, uh, that's what kids are brought up with. Um, and even if you are brought up with like two dads, most kids books are very like heteronormative, right? Like it's yeah. part of the work that I do with some of the schools is around like sort of how do we create more diversity in books and education so that, you know, um, kids can see different images. And so, yeah, I think there's a big loss of identity for a parent, right? Like, because, and I think there's also, um, there's, uh, you know, I think we're still in this place of thinking that there's um, being LGBTQ is, you know, there's something wrong with you. And so I think a lot of parents internalize, like if their child does, you know, start to come out or show interest in, in same-sex relationships that they start to internalize, like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Like, but the standard is that heterosexual is good and that, 
queer or LGBTQ is not good, right? Like, and so there's very much this like sort of binary thinking. And so I think for a lot of parents, they go through like um, loss of their own identity and then loss mm -hmm. of the identity of their child. And then really, and then I think they go through fear of like feeling like they don't know how to parent their children. Like this child is like different than, you know, our older one is, you know, he likes girls and like, now I've got this other one and I don't really know what to do. And so mm. it kind of makes people really question themselves. Yeah. Um, and it really, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot there. And so I would say to your listeners um, that, that if their children are starting to sort of demonstrate or show interest in same-sex relationships, it's really try as, as you demonstrate in all of your podcasts, like try to be curious, right? Like yeah. ask questions, try to understand, right? Like, and just try to be open, right? Like yeah. just try to be open. And, and I think even with this generation, the younger generation, there's, um, there's, you know, the word LGBTQ now is many people say queer. It's like, it's moving to the spectrum of being mm -hmm. less identity focused around, you know, I need to proclaim I'm gay or I need to proclaim I'm lesbian. Like there's this whole world of pansexual now and right, like this broadening. Yeah. And so I think it's um, less about labeling and more about mm -hmm. trying to like really understand like, what do what does your child feel about that relationship with that you know if it's a girl and it's another girl like is this a platonic are you like attracted or do you have you know you know all the things that we feel when we feel our first love you know the butterflies in our tummy and all that stuff right like trying to just understand that mm -hmm. and just kind of create space and witness it and not yes. really, it, you know, I think yeah. those would be the things I would say. And I would say, don't get stuck in it too, because yeah. they're, they are so, they're, they're experimenting, they're learning, they're growing. And so you say this one day and maybe you say something else the next day or what, what have you. Right. And here's the thing that I, that I, I have to say I'm excited about is the fact that it is becoming more normal and mainstream yes. in terms of the shows that we watch, right? There, there's, you know, often a gay character. Now we're seeing, you know, trans actors, actresses, you know, that that is great to be able to see that because these kids in these heteronormative families trying to use the proper language myself, um, you know, they don't necessarily see those examples in their own family. So that's gotta be a challenge for them too. Um, and so, yeah, I think that connection is everything that if your child comes out to you, you just need to affirm, right? And so I learned that when I interviewed John Sovak on my podcast a, a while ago, and we talked about how to support your child in their coming out. And so anybody listening, if you have a gay child, um, and, and can I just say gay? Can I say gay? And that is, that is overarching or do you see it? Like, I don't even know. Right. Like yeah, how, how do okay. I, I know, it's right. Okay not to know you're learning. We're all yeah. learning. Um, I Very, think that, yeah. that, 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 that the term it would be LGBTQ plus okay. now is almost like, and um, okay. folks kind of intersect that with queer, like use back and forth 
So queer, queer is, like, is almost the catch-all phrase now. Queer is like is... even above like LGBTQ because there's now LGBTQ is now um, there's LGBTQI, which is intersex folks. Inter have you ever have you ever had any um, any folks on your show around uh, that are intersex children that are born intersex? I don't even know what that means. No. So intersex is where they're, they, they are, um, when they're born, they have the anatomy of both male, female. Oh, is, oh. A, so they, and sometimes it's, um, uh, some of it is internal, like, right. um, they could present with a penis, but actually, um, beneath have a vagina. And so there's, there's, and oftentimes parents are faced with intersex children, um, and yes. at when they're born, they're asked like immediately to do surgery. And so there's a whole oh, movement yeah. to, um, and actually in California, there's been some laws passed around like not doing surgery until the children are old enough to decide like, what, what is my true, because what is my, what do I want for my, you know, genitalia, right? Oh my goodness. Um, yes. That's, that's tough. Do, does the different genitalia somehow influence hormonal uh, you know, I'm levels? Not, I'm not an expert on this. This yeah, is an I'm area so curious. of yeah. It's an area of growth for me as well, but this, the, we started talking about like the, the, um, the intersex community is now being uh, part of the LGBTQ community. Like, so it's broad. It's, yeah. and, and so I would say gay is kind of an older term. Okay. Well, and I, I feel like I don't want <laughs> That was use... a long answer. Sorry. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to use queer because I know some people are offended by that too, right? So I don't know what to say. I okay. I just want to be on the record to say that love <laughs> is love. I love whoever. But here's what I know for sure. Here's what I know for sure. Having um, you know, my best friend, my best friend from high school, uh, we aren't that close anymore because he moved away to the Dominican Republic and now he lives, uh, he's back in Canada and, and lives on the other side of the country but we were as close as close gets and uh, he came out as gay when I was 19 and um, he is has transitioned from from female to male and so what I saw during that time and during that time of coming out first as uh, a lesbian and then and then transitioning was how much pain there was in that community because the parents didn't accept them because the, the, those people's parents didn't accept them. And what a tragedy that is because there was suicide, there was massive drug use, massive alcoholism. And that is when I swore never to put my kids through that, you know, uh, sure. You know, um, well, I, I was gonna, I was just about to say, sure. I'd love my kids to be straight. Actually, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It really yeah. doesn't matter to me. Uh, and I know that, you know, my husband and I, after many conversations, uh, you know, he agrees. It, love is love. And we just want our kids to be happy and and be good people who give love freely and receive love freely too, right? So um, I think that it's just important to say that, that yes, it, you know, it may scare you and may make you question things, uh, but the love is everything, the connection and affirming your child for who they are, no matter how they show up, even if it's not your choice, even if you don't like that, it's still important to support your child first. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's, you know, the, the idea that we, 
you know, in many ways as parents, we're guides, right? And if we're, if we're yes. good guides, we're there to help them fully embrace who they are. And we're less trying to push on them who we are mm-hmm. and who we want them to be, right? Like this yes. is your work, right? Like this yeah. is what you do. It's about, you know, us changing in order to like, you know, yeah. allow them to be fully themselves. And um, yeah, I mean, I think my first lesson with this was when we were deciding on, you know, adoption, it was around like, do you want to have an open adoption versus a closed adoption? And mm-hmm. a closed adoption is where your child doesn't know the birth parents, right? Like the the the, the court records are closed. And so there's no yeah. relationship with the birth parent. And open adoption is where your child knows who their birth parents is and may be in a relationship with them of some sort. And I remember when that first question first came up and I was kind of like, am I going to be threatened by them having a relationship with their birth mother? And then I thought, and all the literature shows that for their, their, their development, um, their identity, that them knowing who their birth parents is much better. And so that was like the first Mm -hmm. stepping into going, is this about me or about them? Yeah about them actually. So yeah, it's going to be awkward for me in the beginning to know that this is their, but, but it doesn't matter because that's, what's best for my child. Right. Exactly. And that was the first, and it was so fascinating sharing that with like family and friends. And they were like, well, that sounds like really like you're going to know the birth parents and you're going to have a relation. That sounds kind of weird. And I was like, doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what it feels like for me for me yeah like if i feel threatened by that then i got a bigger problem like i'm insecure right like right so like what if this is what's going to be best for caitlin and matthew my kids names here i just shared them um you know that's what i'm gonna do yeah well but let's let's be honest though because the parents get into this trap not just about this subject but like well if my kid's going to play this sport they need to be the best at that sport my kid's going to go to university it's going to be the best university you're going to go to business school you're going to go to the best business school right so in other words what you're saying is running your own agenda is not the right way to go you've got to honor who your child is and honor their choices because yes, we are guides. And at some point we are no longer invited to guide them. They need to guide themselves or we need to be there waiting for them to ask us, what do we think? Or what should we do, right? You need to take a step back and that's really hard. And as a parent of teenagers, they are pushing me away. I feel it, I know it, I pout about it. And I also know it is the natural way of things. And, uh, and it's just so important that I give them the space to be who they are, even if that's not my choice. It's not about me. Right? <laughs> and so you will be faced with that soon too, my friend, Steve. <laughs> I know I'm preparing myself. I actually keep teasing the kids saying, oh, maybe we'll have another kid, right? Like, cause I'm like, maybe we'll adopt another kid. And they're like, no, let's get a dog. And I'm like, it's so cute. Cause I'm just like, I know that's coming. Like, I know that, that, um, right now. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. 
Yeah, they're definitely coming back when that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have a whole therapy session in our next edition uh, with Pete, with Steve Dizelhorst. Okay, well, we got to just really quickly talk about your book because you are giving us uh, a free chapter for the Parent Toolbox, which, look, parents, this is such important information if you do have a child who is LGBTQ. Uh, I, if you, you know, if, if this is something you're facing in your family or you're curious about it, or you know another family, please share this. Look, I, we, you know, uh, my, my, one of my sons, one of his best friends, she is, is, is they, them, right? So it's happening all over. You are going to find more and more, I think, open and younger children embracing the, you know, uh, how do, how do I say it, Steve, embracing their own identity. Would you yeah, say that? Nine non-binary sort yeah. of like pansexual. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just it's so broad. Like, yeah. I think the more you just ask questions. Yeah. But like, it makes it hard to talk about because I want to say, oh, this girl is non-binary, but that yeah. is an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am stumbling my way through it and, uh, and I, and I'm doing the best that I can. All I can say is, you know, I love the love. So um, what about your book though? Where, so you, you can get the free chapter uh, at the parent-toolbox.com and where can people find your book? Yeah. So um, the book can be found on Amazon, Determined to be Dad. You can also buy it um, directly from my website. So DeterminedToBeDad.com. Um, and so either of those places. And then um, obviously I'm, I do coaching as well, like you, and I do uh, diversity inclusion consulting. So I'm, you can find me at SteveDisselhorse.com. Oh, that's great. Uh, and I'm on all the social. Uh, my name is, there's not a lot of me. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. Steve Disselhorst, D-I-S-S-E-L-H-O-R-S-T. You can well, and all of that there. will be in the show notes. So yep. we will not struggle to find you. And of course, it'll all be in the parent toolbox as well. So thank you cool. so much for being here and for sharing your story and be, for being open, honest, and vulnerable. Um, you know, we're all better for it. So thank you so much, Steve. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.